Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. There you are. Hello, hello. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? Good. Where are you today, D.C. or Pennsylvania or where? I'm in D.C. still. Just packing up, literally, right now. So tell me what you're, uh, as generally as you'd like on a public phone call, um, (laughs) what your plans are going forward. At some point in time, I'll be leaving Washington, D.C. for the great state of Pennsylvania. And uh, from there, it's it's a little bit more private. But yeah, I'll be in Pennsylvania for, for a few months before I have to head back to communist Canada for a little bit. Yeah, but it's not going to be communist when you go back, right? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I thought, I, I, thought, I thought Saskatchewan in particular dropped, like, where I was thinking when I heard it that you're set because Saskatchewan's the only one that dropped all restrictions, right? Yes. Yes, they dropped all restrictions. And then uh, Alberta is going to be doing the same. Uh, Jason Kenney, their premier, just came out with a press conference, essentially, and they... They're going to be dropping a bunch of stuff, and it looks like things are going to start reopening. But when I when I say communist Canada, I'm more concerned about the legislation and the bills, uh, the laws that came into place during COVID uh, that will remain past COVID. So it's a little sketchy, but we'll work on it. We'll work on it. Things will change, hopefully. One one second. Let me order a coffee. Okay. No, just, just one total pump of sugar because I get, I get fat around my middle now if I have sugar. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, that's it. Thanks, brother. All right, so um, yeah, I, that's good. They're going to drop the restrictions. What what in future Canadian legislation has you uh, concerned, or you don't like what you see? I don't like what I see, honestly. Um, for example, during the COVID era in Canada, parliamentarians passed law that no election could ever be held during a state of emergency or pandemic. And so that's really wow. concerning. Yeah. So that it's in and like of itself. paving the way to have like a long-term dictator. Uh-huh. Exactly. So anybody, anybody could issue us, you know, we're in a state of emergency because X, Y, and Z. And uh, that in and of itself means, you know, you could be at the end of your term and there's no, there's no way forward for the electorate to actually come and say, you know what, we're supposed to have an election in six months, but now we can't. So and that, that, passed. that did pass. There was only one member of parliament who voted against it. And that was Derek Sloan. One member of cons- parliament. What do the conservatives in Canada have to say for themselves as to like why why they're okay with voting for that? What or they just don't talk? Well, for some of them, they have conscientious objections to it, but for a lot of them, it is more strategic for them. They go, okay, well, if that's our government, that could be beneficial. Like we could stay in power longer oh. as well. Um, they also don't want Justin, for example, because that happened under Justin Trudeau. They don't want that necessarily. Um, they know that they'll lose the next election. Conservatives just know that. 
flat out. Aaron O'Toole is not a good leader. And that's a, that's the individual in charge of the conservative party right now, the leader of it. And they know they'll lose the next election. So they're hoping by, by, by abiding time that they can win more votes. Potentially it won't happen um, because of their policies. They're, they're, they're sliding more and more into the left center left. So yeah, that's, that's a huge concern. Also uh, recently out of new Brunswick, I was just reading up on it actually really, really sketch. I want to pull it up here. Um, the, the, the justice minister out of New Brunswick has been talking about this bill 54, I believe. And in talking about it at this press conference, he literally stated, and I quote, we can't have a whole lot of people suing public safety in the government because their rights were infringed. And they were, there's no mistake about it. That's exactly what they were. So bill 54 in New Brunswick basically will protect, for example, like public safety officers who are stopping people at the New Brunswick border um, even after those laws were in effect. And it also protects any legislator um, who, or individual who enforced the public safety laws which were the COVID laws, the, however you want to put them, the public safety measures. So it's basically, they're already preparing for post-COVID Canada or post-COVID New Brunswick, um, where people will be suing various individuals and they're already putting legislation in place because they know that's, they know that's coming down the pipe. So they're already trying that to protect is, the people who insane. screwed over everyone. Yeah, they're trying to protect oh. people who screwed everyone over. It's, in, it's insanity. Here is uh, Kevin. How do I choose between watching, listening to you and watching Check the Market? Love you guys in the ministry. I didn't um, catch the second part. What was the second part? I don't know. Every time I got calls, it sounds like he's in like a, like he's in a car that's being compressed at a junkyard. <laughs> awesome. So I, I don't know how you choose. Um, this is, thanks a lot. Have a great day. All right, now that, now that I have my drink, we can begin. This What'd is you get? Uh, there's a drink at this place in uh, Arizona. I found this called Black Rock Coffee Bar, and they have a drink called an IV, which is six shots of espresso, and then it's three pumps three pumps of Irish cream, three three pumps of vanilla. But Dang. I, uh, oh my I don't God. do that. I just do the one pump of sugar now, which I didn't think I'd be able to do with six shots of espresso, but. It's amazing when you cut. See, like if you'd have asked me, and I bet you most people that are listening are like this, because you hear like all the evils of sugar and all that, and you think like, well, I don't, I don't eat a lot of sugar, but I bet you like if you scan what you have during the day, like you know, I don't, I don't have desserts. Like I'm having like birthday cake every every night before bed or whatever, or, or ice cream even. But like, I will have about three coffees a day, and I would. You know, if you get them at Dunkin' Donuts, the standard is four pumps of sugar. Then there was this place I used to go here called Dutch Brothers. And the drink I got, I looked up on the nu- nutritional facts. It was 86 grams of sugar for a, <laughs> you know, for a, for a large coffee drink, whatever they put in it. I never checked before. Oh, my so God. <laughs> I started cutting down to like I, wa- I went down to two pumps per drink and then I went down to one pump per drink. And now that tastes fine. Like if I were to have two pumps, it's too sweet Four, I would be like undrinkable. So I didn't, I didn't think I'd be able to like cut out sugar, but I, you know, and I haven't cut it out, but I've, I've pretty much 
cut it out. How are you on? Like when you go to Tim Hortons, what do you get? I always get the dark roast black. Everything I drink is black. Uh, I I have like next to no sugar in my diet. So you, any kind of sugar. No, you have no cream, no sugar when you just the dark roast black. No, no cream, no dark sugar. roast black. Um, and in the summer, any kind of warmer months, I always drink cold brew. So yeah. and if I have so something. Set. Oh yeah, I'm totally set. If I have anything like sweetness wise, it's usually with stevia. So I've gone like the whole totally no sugar route, but it totally changes how you actually taste food. After you do it for about two months, everything tastes different. It's bizarre. Yeah. And, and, and coffee for me, because I realized I didn't actually like coffee. I liked sugar. Yes, so now, exactly. Now that I'm actually drinking coffee, there's... There's brands I used to love that I don't, you know, their coffee actually isn't good. It's just camouflaged in tons of sugar and whipped cream and caramel drizzle and all that. So anyway, that's that's what I got. And it's called an IV. And I'm telling you, whatever cat, it's a great name for it. Because after you drink one of these, you feel like Justin Trudeau, Justin Schmoodeau. I, I, I can take anybody on. Here is Scott. I heard there was some kind of changes in Canada regarding gun laws that they were able to pass some laws because of the uh, coronavirus restrictions. Could you talk about that, please? Mm, good. Um, yeah, it wasn't because of Corona that this has been in play. I mean, I was on Parliament Hill working there oh, a couple years back and there was already the Trudeau's government was already working to ban certain types of, of firearms. Um, but they really were pushing during COVID. So they essentially they're pushing for further classification of different firearms um, to be banned in Canada. Now there's a huge gun lobby actually in Canada that's fighting it. So that's, that's, it's all up in the air right now um, because we are looking like we might face a, a September, October, sometime in the fall election which with the current proposals in the legislation that's in the House of Commons, that would have to then be sent to the Senate. And because we're going into summer and the Senate, I mean, House of Commons, government's done sitting in two days. Uh, this bill would essentially be dead if and when we come to, when the House comes back to sit in the fall. And then um, if there's an election called, essentially there's a thing called an order paper and everything is kiboshed, all legislation up to that point. So I wouldn't necessarily worry about too much, but uh, yeah, there, there's definitely a huge push to classify more and more firearms as, as restricted and uh, potentially the government wants to um, seize as many of those weapons as possible in an attempted effort to, to you know, there's an assault on speech, there's an assault on, on firearms, uh, right to, to privacy, um, right to health, everything. So it, it's all ramping up, but honestly, um, I wouldn't be too concerned about it, but I would stay abreast as to what's actually happening. Mateo, when you're like talking about this this gun stuff, I got I got in a little Twitter exchange with a guy from Oakville, Ontario, yesterday because he, I don't know he just didn't understand like the correlation between firearms and freedom, and he said you can always vote out the government. That's that's how you keep them in fear, you know. And he's a, he's like a conservative Christian. So where mm. since you go back and forth between America and Canada. Where is the disconnect with Canadians where they're, and you're, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. You can disagree with me and say, you don't see it this way at all. But for me, you, people like you from Canada are very rare that are, that are pro freedom and pro 
under, you know, basically treat the government like an enemy. Why does the average Canadian not make that correlation where you're like, uh, I don't feel like they have a hostile view of the government. They think the government, even if they don't like Trudeau, they, you know, they only think he's so bad. What, why is that? Oh, that is a good question. Um, well, a lot of it stems from Canadians are, there's some Canadians, I'm going to make a generalization here. There are a lot of Canadians who are just not super patriotic. Um, no, and not necessarily that they, they would even think of being patriotic. Uh, for, for years, you know, we're just taught that, you know, Canada is what it is. Like we're, we're a melting pot of many different societies and cultures. And so there's not really one identity in Canada. Um, and, and that's even what Justin Trudeau pushes, um, that there's no one Canadian entity or identity. Um, now I, I, I slightly disagree with that. I do believe there, there are specific things. There is. There is one yes. Canadian identity. Mullet, Tevas, white socks pulled up to your knees, <laughs> hockey stick in the trunk. Yeah, yeah. Like there, there is a Canadian identity, but it's not. It's not taught. It's not like there's no. There's no real sense of patriotism. Whereas in America, it's, it's there's a strong patriotic spirit, and um, there is a there is a disconnect because. In America, it's been taught for so long to be proud of your country, be proud that you have the Bill of Rights, be proud that you can bear arms. Like these are blessings, and in Canada, it's more so these things are just there, like they're just they're just there, they're just there, like for the government to take or to give. Um, and so it, it's it's a totally different worldview between Canada and United States. As you know, you're blessed in America. We, Americans say we are blessed to live in this country. Um, and Canadians, while they will say, yeah, we're blessed to live in, in Canada, it's, it's, a, it's just a different worldview. I, I don't even know how to really explain it. It's, it's tangible, and yet it's not. Um, it's a feeling. And, um, yeah, I, I don't really know necessarily too much how to answer that. Maybe if someone wants to throw in a comment on how they see it. Um, but I would have to like, say... Like, I'll, I'll give you an example, Matea. Like, and it's not just Canada. It's, for me, it's like... Um, I've noticed any country that remained loyal to the crown and didn't overthrow them. Like, let's say I go preach in South Africa and I make comments about the government. It's ridiculous what the government is doing with this. There's like a tension. Like, even if people agree with you, it's like, ooh, you, you know, you don't say that. And then in America, if I say, like, they better lift these lockdowns or there's going to be trouble, you get like, you know, you get a standing ovation. You have like old ladies lifting their walkers over their head, cheering you on. <laughs> there's just this, th there's this like, I won't say anti-government sentiment, like a um, terrorist, but like, I don't know, maybe because we were formed by overthrowing our rulers that there, there's this inherent distrust in a lot of people in America for government and that they do assume the worst. It's like, if they're going to pass any law, it's like, how could this law be exploited to hurt us and then if you can find a way even if it sounds very like uh conspiratorial people people are like on their back foot where i i don't know it's like you would hear the same kind of lockdown stuff passed in canada and people would be very you'd read the comments underneath it would just make you like ill you know like thank you for keeping us safe premier kenny you know you know what i mean it, it yes not that, not that you don't have some of that in america but it seemed like the overwhelming response in Canada would be that. And then it would be at least 50-50 in the U.S. 
No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And and here's something. Can they, like, there's a lot of socialistic tendencies in Canada. For example, uh, universal health care, socialistic medicine was, was created in Saskatchewan. And so, like, most people don't know that. But, like, there's a lot of uh, sympathetic socialists in Canada. Um, we have a lot of different government subsidies that aren't provided here in America. And, like, we have government-run health care. We have government, like, there's so many government-run everything that it's just so normal that I think Canadians have come to the place where it's like, yeah, like, of course the government runs telecommunications. Of course government runs health care. Like, it's just, it's just a norm. Whereas, and we don't have, we, we wouldn't fight that because why would you bite the hand that feeds you? Um, whereas in America, yeah, you do have some sort of government subsidies, but it's not to the same extent. Oh, there's a lot more personal responsibility. And that goes directly back to y'all having to actually fight for your freedom, like fight to, to be sovereign of unto yourselves. Um, whereas, and I've seen that same kind of that pattern where, yeah, a lot of, a lot of countries who, have, who, are are a part of the the commonwealth um have that kind of you know that that spirit on them like it's really hard to explain other than it it has to be a spirit over a nation um that that kind of directs them i've wondered about that i've wondered if it you know i know everything's spiritual i've wondered even as far as like how people are raised or genetics i don't know if it'd be be genetic but because it's not just that americans overthrew England, it's that the people that didn't want to participate, they wanted to remain loyal, formed Canada. So that has to get like bred into people where I don't know, there is like a rebellion in in Americans, even even during the lockdown. When I was preaching last year, we would have a good percentage of people come to church every night. Like the churches were packed. You know, I preached in in one state. There was a 20 person gathering limit and and you'd be fined a thousand a person for breaking it. We had 800 a night and the cops were there in uniform in the meeting, like sitting in the meeting, like, like, you know, clapping when I'd say stuff against it. Then you had a, I'd say you had some nights, 20% of the crowd, you could tell were not Christians, weren't necessarily coming there because they were interested in becoming a Christian. It was just like, you're not going to tell me I can't go, go somewhere. So I'm going. And I, I don't ever get that feel in Canada. I get more of it in Western Canada. I definitely feel Saskatchewan when I've, when I've gone there, it feels, yeah. it feels like America to me. But, yeah. Uh, Ontario, I do agree. Ontario, New Brunswick, uh, Quebec's kind of different because Quebec's very secular liberal, but that can be a good thing. Freedom wise. You know what I mean? If somebody's for like personal autonomy, like the same thing that gets them to pass abortion or nudity or like public nudity is like I, a person should be able to do whatever they want. So that can be that can be a positive in regards to like going against lockdowns and stuff. But I don't know. I just I I've had pastors up there tell me like, hey, we can get in trouble if we mention this thing out of the Bible, you know, it can be considered hate speech. So just try to stay. I've never had a pastor tell me that in in America where it's like if, if the government tries you know, I don't, I don't understand the always like bowing, bowing. It's almost like to them, though they wouldn't say it. I think to the average Canadian, the government is higher than Christ. And I think, I think you can get that even with the amount of churches that shut down or stayed open because you're still Mm -hmm. just, there are churches that stayed open in Canada. 
but it's a it, it's some you know and there's and no major ministries there's no rodney howard brown in canada there's nobody with the church of like no i guess there was there's the guy in um, alberta that got his property seized mm -hmm. james I, Coates. yeah what about peter youngren was peter youngren able to stay open in ontario no they ended up uh following a bunch of the uh the COVID rules in the yeah. end yeah and that's yeah. what happened that's what happened here with most of the big guys but i just i i feel like i can't put my finger on it i guess is why i'm kind of more just thinking out loud because well you know yeah, we're like all human beings but why does the one you know pennsylvania is an hour down the road from ontario so why why is there the reaction there is in pennsylvania and then, then you just go over the border it's it's all the same people genetically and everything what's the so i, I don't get it so anything well, you want to add to that i'd so, be interested yeah so here is something canadians have been fed a steady diet of anti-american sentiment like blatantly um and whenever it's it's you know americans are unhinged excuse me unhinged or they canadians have a totally different perspective of Americans than being pro-freedom. Like they see a lot of, of a lot of y'all as being unresponsible, irresponsible rather. And uh, kind of like yahoos, like literally. Um, like yes, all you that, do is, that, that, that's not inaccurate. No. Well, I think it's great. <laughs> honestly, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, but, but I don't think, think it's great or not. We are irresponsible yahoos. Like it's, it, it's a wild place, especially when you get out of the, you know, you get to like rural Texas and out where I'm at, like, uh, you know, if you go out in the desert of Arizona, it's it's a free for all people with those like dune buggy desert vehicles doing like 140 off cliffs. It's <laughs> great. I love it. I love it. But yeah, I think I think it's just a total um, dependency on government channels. I mean, when you look at what's happening in Canada, majority of of the mainstream is funded by the government and then you have government channels and then you have shell companies and shell uh, ngos who push out their own kind of messaging um which are predominantly linked to places like china for example um so there's there's all these outside influences um influencing the the communication channels in canada so that that doesn't necessarily happen in the united states to the same degree anyway where right. there's a monopoly on on what we see and hear which informs us on on how we act or what we do as canadians so that that, that is a big difference between canada and the us is our our ability to one access information and uh, the ability for that information to be shared which leads into bill c10 which was just passed in canada which is a huge Bill, uh, we talked about this, I think, on Check the News uh, a couple months back, and uh, but that was just passed in the House of Commons, and basically, it'll it'll limit the government. Trudeau's government says that it, it's going to protect Canadians by pushing, uh, regulating the internet in order to push out more Canadian-centric co uh, content as opposed to global. I'm like, so this is what Camille's talking about. This is a uh, Camille. Right? Yesterday, when I was watching Check the Market. Um, there was a guy in the comment section that was like, thanks to this new law that passed here in Canada, I might not, I won't be able to watch things like this soon. I was just curious, what was that all about? So, so that's yeah, what yeah. she's talking about. So yeah. if it's, pa if it's past the House of Commons, what's the next step? 
So the next or step, the next step. No, there is a next step. Thank God. Um, so now it goes to the Senate and this is where, um, I've, I've been looking at a bunch of the different senators on both sides of the aisle. Um, and something I'll just throw this out there for anyone watching globally or even Canadians who don't know, Canada Senate is, is appointed. They're not elected by the, the electorate. So just keep that in mind. Um, now it goes to the Senate and thankfully the Senate is shutting down in two days. So what Trudeau's government wants the Senate to do is rubber stamp this and just push it through, put it into law before they're done sitting in two days. Now the majority of senators are like, uh-uh, like we have a constitutional obligation. Um, and there's a, there's a very small minority who are like, yeah, let's just get this thing through. We'll be done for the summer and we can go, um, we can go chill with our families. So I don't think necessarily that they'll be able to push it through, like ram it through, which will be great because again, like stated previously, if we're going to face a, a September, October election, um, this bill will just be dead come the fall. Uh, but nonetheless, if it does die in the Senate, never forget that Trudeau's government wanted to push this through anyway. And they, and they took so many different um, routes in order to, um, for example, they, they tried to allot more time in committees so that this, this bill could be rammed through as soon as possible. Um, which is interesting because again, like I said, there there's privacy laws that are being changed. There's uh, this specific law um, that could come into play. Um, the firearms policies that are, excuse me, legislation that's coming through. It's all, all happening at once, which is, is a key. Uh, it's, it's essentially a red flag that everybody should be aware of because when that happens, um, of course, there's always a push at end of session. But when you see these very lofty bills come into play all at once, it, it's, it is a red flag that there's something much deeper going on as opposed to just the government wanting to push out legislation to, to, to be better for Canadians. So yeah, Bill C-10 will most so likely how that... Okay. That's good news. I like, I like, uh, again, the thing, the thing that when I found you made me like you is you know what's going on, but you're not. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't know. Sorry. You totally cut out there. View on things. Don't you find most conservatives politically? You can't hear what I'm saying. Mateo. No, I can't understand. Yeah, there we go. There okay. we go. I said, don't Sorry you find that. most most conservatives are defeatist? Like they enjoy getting their butt kicked they, they just like they, they they feed on negative news and just repeat it they don't have any kind of like plan going forward it's just like oh did you hear what Trudeau's doing or do you hear what biden's doing and then yeah you, you know what's going on but like it's not you're not a defeatist so that's no i have for you too in the conservative realm, <laughs> realm right it don't totally you find most people are, they're very negative conservative people yeah, like, and that's, I mean, that's human nature. One is to be negative is to see all like, and that's what sticks out psychologically to us the most. Um, and oftentimes conservatives are sounding the alarm on a lot of negative things that are happening in the world to raise awareness. But nonetheless, it's like, okay, how are we actually like, yeah, you can, you can complain all you want. Uh, and that's not just in politics, it's just in life in general, but how are you going to remedy what's actually happening? 
Um, and most people are, are not solution orientated. They, they're just complainers, um, which is, I mean, that's just how human nature is again, but it, it can be quite, it can become annoying to a certain extent because you want to be, you, especially in a public position, you want to actually help people. You, you, right. for the most part, I mean, not all public servants are like that, but you do want to help people. And if you're always negative, how, why, like, that's not attractive to anyone. Why would anybody want to be around someone extremely negative, whether it's your personal life or political life? So yeah, it can be, it can be quite annoying. Uh, for my own personal curiosity. So that, so if that C10 did pass, <clears throat> I know like how your television in Canada, it has to be like, it, whatever it is, 80 fashion Canadian content. Cause other, and I understand that otherwise they would just get swallowed up by American television shows and American advertising. And it would, it actually would hurt Canadian businesses and, and stuff, Canadian tire and Tim Hortons and all our friends up there. But, uh, the internet one, how would that play out? Like it, 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 it couldn't block all non-Canadian content. So what, what would it block specifically? Yeah, so it wouldn't be so like we Canadians wouldn't feel the effects of it immediately. So it wouldn't be like internet martial law. It would be more like a death by a thousand cuts. So bureaucrats would go to work then if it were signed into law and start writing, you know, um, different types of news outlets should be should be censored in Canada on the on the internet. Um, Facebook, for example, your your Facebook feed would change over time to push out more of what's happening in Canada uh, as opposed to what's what you might see from your American friends on Facebook. Um, there's no, there's no question. This is in response to the, it's gotta be the hardest hurdle that they're trying to, they're trying to lock Canada down or we're trying. And <laughs> you know, two hours down the road, you have the, you whatever you, you look in, in America, they're having the Indianapolis 500 with 70,000 unmasked fans in a stadium with no problems. So you, you, exactly. you, do need to like, you do need to control what your population's seeing if you're going to do a totalitarian takeover, right? Absolutely. Well, and in any kind of socialistic communistic handbook, like freedom of speech is the first target because you limit what people, what people say, you know, what people say is what they think. And when like freedom is contagious, so when you see people in America or elsewhere in the world who are living normal lives, who are going to India, India 500, when you're going to a baseball stadium um, and, and like you see people just living mask free, uh, I'm not getting the COVID injection, whatever it might be, that inspires something in people that encourages people. And so if a government can limit what people in their own country are able to see and maybe then speak about or act on um, that's extremely effective in a totalitarian regime or implementing one. So yeah, Bill C-10 though, it's, it's extremely overreaching because it basically gives this, this government agency called the CRTC uh, sweeping powers to control not only the advertising that we see, but also um, the shows that we that are projected on TV, uh, and and that even CRTC goes farther than just that, but the kind of content that's created um, that we're allowed to view, all that kind of stuff, is all going to be government controlled if it passes. Um, which again, oh, go for it. This is Matea Murtha. She's joining me today, and this is the Stereo app. If you're listening on the podcast, 
So if you don't have that app, you should get it because uh, we can take your comments live. And if you are listening, I'd love to hear from you. Where, where you are, what you're drinking, and uh, any questions you have for Matea. Here's Kevin. Man, I got to get my glasses. I thought you were interviewing Medea. It says Matea. That's way better. She doesn't hang around with Oprah. Here's Jean. Congratulations on becoming, or Jean. Congratulations on becoming a super fan. <laughs> I think I have an answer about this. And here is a fellow Canadian, Marcy from Quebec. You know, Canadians have been conditioned to believe that uh, um, that the way we do things and our system of doing things is better than, than in America. And I used to think that too, but I've since been delivered and saw the light. Thank God for that. Um, do you know, not to put you on the spot, but I know we were going to do those five news, news uh, segments, which I don't feel like doing. The only thing that seemed to, unless you have something I missed, the only thing that seemed interesting that emerged in the news yesterday. Um, of course, the COVID vaccine thing for where they changed the recommendation where they don't want kids getting it, which is huge. Yeah. Any parents, any parents that were listening that were worried your kid's going to have to get it to go back to, to public school. Now, now that's off the table, but we covered that yesterday. But I saw Mitch McConnell blocked that. What was that law? Is it HR one or what was it? Oh, I think it was S one. No, I don't. I I saw S one come out, but I didn't actually get to look at it. And that was the voter rights. Like it was going to, it was going to basically make it where you could do voter fraud very easily. Correct. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. It was that one. That was sketchy. It basically, yeah, that was sketch all the way around. And then Mitch McConnell in the in the Senate blocked it 50-50. So it, it's dead. It is that dead. Yeah. What's you know what's McCon- scary though? Like what? there's fifty people, fifty senators who are actually willing to to say yes to that. Those those people should be shamed heavily. That's oh, scary. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you in general, shame needs to be brought back to the culture. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I feel like I feel like a lot more people need to feel shame for for a lot of things. The thing with Mitch McConnell, he's like, you can't stand him. He seems like the biggest mumbling loser. And then every once in a while, he pops up on big stuff like Trump's impeachment, Kavanaugh's hearing, and then this thing. It's like every time there, Amy Comey, Amy Coney Barrett, anytime there's like a major thing, he rallies the troops and and gets the victory. And then then he like disappears but when you really really need him he's pretty clutch hey honestly i'm happy with him at this point not disappointed in this this decision because if he would have caved we wouldn't kavanaugh would not have gone into the supreme court which imagine that matea i was thinking about this you know if hillary had beat trump um the supreme court would be six three liberal or at least six three liberal so every church challenge, because you remember, John Roberts voted with the liberals on every church case. So it just would have been yes, very different. You know, every time church is challenged in America, it would have got shot down and we probably would have been in the same shape Canada was in. They would have been able to like, done, you know, done a unilateral global lockdown. It, it, it yeah. was one Supreme Court seat that saved it. 
where uh, Amy Coney Barrett sided with the, with the churches. And man, that would have been problematic, really problematic. Yeah, thank God for <laughs> people are going to hate this, but thank God for President Trump. <laughs> oh, yeah. as a Canadian, I I love President Trump. He he tell did me, he saved tell America. Me why. Let, let me hear why as a Canadian you love President Trump. I love the fact that he is pro-America, which is sad in the fact that you would even have to be pro-country pro that you're running. Um, but he loves America, and you can clearly tell that um, he was fighting for the people. Like, he was on the people's side. Um, he's, he was not a part of the system, and he was not a, a politician. He became one, but he was willing to challenge the system. Uh, he was the most pro-life president ever. In, in American history. And he, in, he not just in wow. word, but he actually did it in deed. And he took on the, the globalist system um, on multiple fronts, one of which he defunded UNFPA, he withheld funds from WHO. Um, and if you don't understand how incredibly insane that is in a good way, um, there is so much pressure on the global stage to continue that type of funding. Um, but he was willing to, he was willing to take that chance and say, no, um, we under, we, we uphold human rights and we value human life. Um, and he was willing to, to, um, be thorough in his picks with the Supreme court. Cause what he did with that, that's not just a, a one term kind of thing that a president can do that oh, no, kind that, that of like 25 years of impact. Exactly. And he also set up, um, I don't even remember at, at this point in time, how many federal judges, it was hundreds of federal judges, which most people weren't really talking about, but on the, on the state level, or excuse me, federal level, these federal judges uh, will uphold the constitution. These are constitutional judges. And uh, that also sets the stage for essentially, I would say 40 years um, potentially of, of good governance and, and the law being upheld, the constitution rather being upheld. So um, he was also tough on crime. He, he was not sympathetic whatsoever to Iran, which is incredibly important. Uh, and he was willing to, he saw past the, the BS of what his party was trying to push for the most part. I mean, he did like, get played well, in some way. Give me, give me some BS that Republicans try to push. Uh, well, some of, some of it is more private, but, um, what's a good one that I could say? Republicans, for example, there are some bills that would come into play like budgets, um, federal spending that Trump was unwilling to, he had, he had to do private negotiations, of course, with his own party, because for example, if Planned Parenthood was going to be funded through, I don't know, I'm going to make up a bill. Let's say Planned Parenthood is going to be funded through an infrastructure bill um, like they are right now. President Trump was negotiating with, his, with members of his own party so that would not happen. Um, whereas Republicans sometimes are like, no, let's let's just get this budget passed. It's having we're having negative headlines. Let's just show bipartisanship and we'll get it done. And we'll just be quiet about Planned Parenthood being funded. President Trump would go, no, that's not happening. We, we need to go back to the table and redo this. So he was right. fighting. He was fighting for not only the constitution within his own party, but he was fighting for the people. Um, and of course, and those people in the in the Republican Party are what are now being referred to as rhinos. Um, I don't necessarily like calling people by different names, but nonetheless, if, if that 
if people understand rhinos, those are the people he was predominantly fighting against. And those are the people who, who have for years worked alongside Democrats or have towed the lines of the Democrat party. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one example that I can give. Here's Amy. I live in Jacksonville, Florida, but I currently sell to the Canadian market. That's my territory for my job. And I've had several conversations with my Canadian customers about America and Trump. And it's amazing the misconception that they have about him and, and his role in America. And um, so I, I think it's been great to just to educate them um, on the reality because the media isn't going to preach the reality. Um, do you see that as well? 100%. Oh my gosh. You know, I, I was, I was talking about, um, with a, a dear friend of mine in Canada about president Trump. And she's like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know where I really stand on Trump. Like I see that like my whole family is against him. Um, and when I was discussing some of his policies, whether it's on criminal justice or, or the pro-life issue or whatever it might be international law, um, she was shocked that president Trump was taking very strategic, the strategic positions that he was, because that's never, that's never depicted in Canadian media. Um, even when, when NAFTA, which is now turned into USMCA was being negotiated, president Trump was, was painted as a tyrant that just was selfish and wanted everything for himself. Um, right. he was trying to exploit the Canadian, the Canadian people. When in fact we actually got a pretty sweet deal, um, for the most part. So, uh, you know, and it, and it goes all the way down to like the details of how Canadians see, like our, our President Trump is projected to Canadians. Like media will use the most unflattering pictures. Um, oh, they yeah. will like, like it goes down to the details, right? Um, the headlines will be, will be in like you know, the, funny. Those, like those you are funny to look at when they do the side by side by like the picture Fox uses of Trump and then the picture CNN uses of Trump or, or, uh, cbc and the, it was the same with obama like fox yes. would find this like miserable looking picture of barack obama and then cnn he looked like the messiah yes exactly and there's some I, there's some independent media in canada who are who are better i mean obviously than the mainstream in, in being truthful and just you know this is actually like, factual like this is what's happening um but i mean on the mainstream level canadians don't don't get that and that's where the majority of them are at uh, or get their news from. So yeah, I totally see that in Canada. There's, there's a huge, <laughs> huge disconnect. It's, it's interesting to watch. If you have any questions for Matei, your time is running out. So you can hit that little comment button on the bottom there on stereo. And then if you like uh, the pot, these podcasts, there's a whole bunch of them archived on my podcast. You search my name, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. It's on anywhere you listen to podcasts and vice versa. If you're listening to this on podcast and you want to join us, when we do it live, I'm doing this at 10:15 a.m. East Coast time. For the foreseeable future, this is like a special thing in the summer. I'm out in the desert with my family; they're all asleep. Camila discovered the show "The Golden Girls" on the Hallmark Channel and just been laughing her head <laughs> off at uh, those four old women, which I never realized until she started watching it. That show's filthy. Which you want to is think, it? But it I, I've never but yeah, watched it. No, I you'd have, you'd have, it's like, a part of different era. From like shouted, so it's like it's like awful. But I think all oh the my. jokes go over her head. So whatever, it's on the Hallmark Channel. It gets a pass. Um, Hallmark is awesome, honestly. People, it's so you know it, it, they've gone woke. 
in the last year or two, but they've had some great family friendly content up until two, about two years ago. So kudos yeah, to them for holding out that long. Every plot's exactly the same. And then they have limited budget. So there's only like three characters. There's like the woman, yeah. the guy she's <laughs> with now that she doesn't really love. And then the new guy that she, that's going to sweep her off her feet. So you pretty much know how it's going to go with somehow it's still easy to watch. Exactly. Um, Majority of those films are actually are filmed in Canada. Eh? Yes. You guys, a lot of stuff gets filmed up there. Yeah, it you does. Are, fr are friendly to, to the film unions. Um, tell me, tell me, like when you made this trip down to DC, what 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 are you specifically doing in Washington DC? Like, what's what's your job? Um. Well, this was more of a slight pleasure trip. Um, oh yeah. More more downtime, but I have had a couple meetings. Um. With I'll tell. Actually, yesterday I just had a meeting with a, a group called family um research the family research council frc incredible people um have you met tony perkins or not i have met him yes he's a fantastic yeah. individual all right i'll lay off him on twitter then because i was giving him a hard time because i like the family research council a lot but when when rodney got arrested he tweeted that pastors that are leaving their churches open are, are grandstanding and you have to wonder if they're like uh. looking for so, which a lot of people did, you know, Sean Hannity did that a lot of, yeah. a lot of, a lot of people after the fact, I've done this a lot. It's like people will tweet now. It's ridiculous that governments ever ordered churches to shut. That can never happen again. Then if you scroll back in their feed to March 15th, 2020, they were yeah. like, we're going to on online. Only. So I don't like people being heroes after the fact. And then if you're in family research council, and you raise money to fight for freedom and, and all that. And then when you're literally like the first time in American history since the French and Indian War or whatever, you, it's actually your time to take a stand where there's going to be consequences and you cave. I, I just, you know, I know we have to be forgiving as Christians and stuff, but I, that that one's hard for me because I don't, yeah. I don't like hypocrites. I can do better. I could do better with like. Like, like uh, here's probably a difference with me than, than other conservative people. I don't mind Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I don't mind Rashida Tlaib. They're, you know, they're all one way. Like, I don't agree with them at all, but they're not phony. So, fine, you believe that way. You say you believe that way, and you do. That's I can deal with that. Not everyone sees things my way. I have a problem. Can you tell the espresso's kicking in? I have a problem with... Um, <laughs> When someone purports themselves to be on our, my side, and then when it comes time to fight, you join the other team or you're quiet, I, that is reprehensible to me. I can't, I can't take that. And you, you must have gone through that. Not that you have to name names, but you, you have to have gone through that with friends or people you knew in Canada, where you felt they felt the same as you, and then when you guys were facing like major consequences, if you were going to go to church or whatever, they like went missing. Did you, you must've had somebody in your life that was like that. Oh, absolutely. I was, I was shamed by a lot of people. I ended up having to, well, when COVID hit, I was actually down here in Washington, DC. And uh, when I went back, uh, all the churches were closed and I was, I was trying, I was like fighting to find a church um, to go to in person. And so I had to do the online thing until I could find someone in my own city. 
Um, and then when I found someone, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to this church in person. Like, I'm not, I'm not forsaking that. Um, and, and a lot of people, what was bizarre is a lot of the pastors that I know in this, in the city that I'm from, um, a lot of the pastors were actually condemning anyone going to the churches that ended up being open. Um, and that's the same thing that happened here. It's like to cover your own. To cover your own cowardice, you have to attack the people who, who who are making the stand. And that, again, that's why I gave Tony Perkins a hard time in, on Twitter and have several. I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't blocked me because I, I would screenshot his old tweets or stuff he said. And then when he would do like a pro-freedom tweet, I'd put it up. But I, yeah. I that's what I can't stand. I can do OK with like Bill de Blasio moving the shut chair down. You, you know, you're a Planned Parenthood liberal that hates christians i get it no problem but when when you're a preacher or a christian and you start attacking other christians like there was a guy there was a guy doing it in new brunswick that 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 yeah. made some took some kind of shot at um churches that stayed open man i'm telling you i it, it puts me like back in the old testament yeah I, no and what was weird like it was so weird um, I actually had, I know a few atheists and some of them are lawyers and they've gone to bat for Christians yes. uh, more so than, than Christian lawyers that I know. Um, have you heard of that guy sticks and hammer? He's like sticks and hammer six, six, six. He has a YouTube channel. He's an atheist lawyer. No, I haven't. He's an atheist lawyer. And he, when Rodney got arrested, he did a, he did a YouTube yeah. video like that night. Basically saying, like, you know, if anyone knows me, I I don't, I'm not a fan of religion or preachers, but th- this, what they just did is such a violation of the law that they're going to be facing a, a hundred million dollar open and shut lawsuit. There's no, you know, and he's an atheist saying it's ridiculous. Governments cannot order churches to close. I, let me tell you something. I can get, a, I could, I could easily be friends with someone like that. Yeah, that, I yeah guess, absolutely. I guess, Matea, that's one thing I learned about myself in the last 16 months is that mm-hmm. I, I care most about freedom. Yeah. Because I, I could get along with an atheist that's pro-freedom more than I can a Christian that's for okay with tyranny. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is bizarre. Like it, it's it a bizarre, bizarre place to be in. But nonetheless, I was I was literally thinking about that when you before you brought that up. Like freedom is the commonality that that draws us all together, which actually allows us allows us grants us the right to to explore different ideas and make connections based upon what we're able to say and and live out. And you know, when freedom is the basis, uh, society flourishes. But you also get to weed out um, when when excuse me when freedom is no longer allowed or is no is um, suppressed. That's when you find your true friends. That's when you find your true allies. And, and in this period, this what they're now calling the COVID era, era, which makes me sick because that's what it's going to be written down in the history books as. Um, during this, we've just seen this blanket of, of people who have just handed over their rights and, and especially the Christians. And I don't want I'm not going to bash Christians um, across the board, but 
but it's been interesting because the connections that I've made with individuals who are willing to fight for Christians or fight for communities of faith to freely exercise, who are not a part of any kind of community of faith, more so than people who are in those communities of faith, has those have actually produced more um, substantial good for the greater society than, than trying to pull teeth at trying to even get Christians engaged. No, no which, doubt which about weird. it. I don't know. It's what so it weird. Is. I don't know what it is about. It's not Christianity everywhere because it's not like this in Nigeria. But I don't exactly. know what, what it is about Christianity in the way it's taught in like Europe, Canada, and the United States. But it takes the fight out of people, which is insane yeah. because you read the Bible. They're they're like strong, principled people, and and Absolutely. then it, somehow it gets passed down to people here, like. Like, uh, you'd almost think a basic tenet of Christianity was like, don't cause any trouble. You know, this is what the, follow the Bible as best you can without causing any problems. So I don't know. That has to get rooted out, you know, you know, because that's, that's not Christianity. And I found the same thing. I made all these friends over the last 16 months that aren't Christians, but, but they like fought for freedom. So, you know, journalists, now you're a Christian, but I, I didn't, um, I didn't find out you're a Christian until after I had you as a guest the first time. And I could kind of tell talking to you, but that's not why I had you on. I had you on because you were the fir- first person I found in Canada that was like, I don't know. You, you, you seemed like an American living in Canada that was just going at it against what's going on up there. I hadn't, I hadn't seen that. And you could tell you were well-read and all that, but I, I don't know why, again, a lot of this podcast has just been me thinking out loud, but between like, the, the Canadian thing about not wanting to cause problems. And then I don't know how that gets taught uh, to Christians of like, my dad, my dad has three brothers. They're all preachers. They don't all talk that much, but all of them kept their ministries open during the lockdown without having coordinated it with each other. It's just, that's not the kind of Christianity that I came up with. Is like you were told when you were seven and eight about what was happening to people in the Soviet Union that were Christians or Chinese Christians. And that could happen here. You know, the day could come where you could lose your head if you don't take the mark of the beast. So you were just like ready for it from age seven, you know. So I don't I don't know what this like this new kind is. Here's some people. Uh, Akeem. Uh, my fat thumb hit the wrong button. Hey, brother Jonathan, and hey, Matea. Always lovely hearing your voice, uh, Matea, and just seeing you converse with Jonathan. Um, we love you all the way here in Zambia. Um, just wanted to give you guys uh, some feedback, like news, since you're into giving news to people and stuff. Here in Zambia, COVID has gotten so bad. I buried my aunt, uh, I think, was it two days ago or something, and my sister got COVID, and uh, the churches are shut down. I think my church that I belong to are one of the only ones that are open in a handful, but we're good, and um, we're broadcasting more the Word of God on a Sunday um, to people that need hope. So just wanted to let you guys know. Great job, Akeem. Sorry about your, your aunt. Albert. Hi, John. This one is for you. I wanted to find out, if you're traveling and um, you're not in studio, 
would you consider having a segment, uh, a 15-minute segment where you call in and Adalas asks you some questions about the news that day, etc. Just an idea. Let me know. Cheers. I would consider it. I don't have a problem with it. The only thing is I just don't want to, I guess. I like I like this because I'm I'm going to get coffee. My family's asleep, and when I do read the news, I there's stuff I want to talk about. So th- this allows me to do it. Here's a uh, Karen. I totally depend on this ministry, Jonathan and Rodney, because there's absolutely no Holy Ghost Church anywhere near where I live, and it's so hard not to be able to go into the presence of God and be in that anointed spirit atmosphere. So please don't stop. Thanks, Karen. I, when people would tell me that before, I used to not believe them. I think they just need to look harder. But after this last year, you might be right. You have to move. You Even if you've lived a place along, you have to be able, you know, it, it, it's a matter, it literally is a matter of life and death, being in the presence of God or not being in the presence of God. So, if there's no, no spirit-filled churches or no, no, whatever, you got to find one. Whether you move to move to Tampa to be with Pastor Rodney, you sound like you're up in years. So Florida, you're basically going to end up there anyway. So you might as well just go now, or or you, or you can come by me in Pittsburgh. Would love to have you. Here's Anthony. What's fascinating to me is when the Christians gave up. Um, it is the country was founded upon Christian morals. Regardless if you believe in God or not, that's what the country was founded in. Um, so, the, the, you know, a lot of atheists talk about, oh, objective moralism, right? That, that there's a way without being theistic to have morals. The country was founded upon freedom and because of freedom of religion. And literally freedom of, like, you, you know, the government said you cannot practice your faith. That should have been the first sign of the the divergence from from what we were to now what we are and anthony wasn't done here's anthony part two it's funny you're talking about canadian uh, most american canadian most canadians i know are more american than a lot of americans and it's interesting there's a lot of pro-christian pro-freedom pro-freedom of speech pro-religion guns you know second amendment in general in canada it's kind of inter- it's it, God. It's re- it's relieving to see that some people still believe in those things, and then now you come into the U.S. where it's now first the first world privilege is to now get rid of your privileges. Hmm. Uh, I don't I don't know where Anthony lives. I will tell you this from somebody that travels: your view of America will be drastically different depending on where you go in America because. Um. It's like I can tell when I see somebody tweet. I can tell where in America they're from without before I ever check their profile. Like if I see some somebody tweet like I saw yesterday and I've seen a few times, they're going to lock the country down again. Like they're either in New York, mm-hmm. California, Washington or Oregon because there's yeah. no way you could live in southern Missouri or rural Texas or Florida and ever believe that because it's not, number one it ain't going to happen. It can't happen legally. They couldn't lock it down the first time. The governors all had, you know, whatever you're going to do in America, the way it's written up, you can't just do it by federal law. You literally, it's almost like you have to take over 50 countries. And a a bunch of them 
have passed laws like Pennsylvania, you know, where it can never happen again. Florida permanently banned mask mandates forever. You're never allowed to, to do a mask mandate as a governor again. So, like, I, I don't know if you heard me say this before, Mateo. This was a while back, but my wife and I and, and Camila were in southern Missouri. So I checked out on Yelp what was the highest ranked coffee shop in that town. I drive there. The doors open. I walk in. The coffee bar has the lights out. There's no employees. But there's probably like 20 women in there. And the way it hit me, it, it just felt like very clean in there. So the one girl goes, oh, are you are you in here to get coffee? I said, uh, I said, yeah. She said, all oh, the coffee shop's closed. I said, what are you guys doing? Having a prayer meeting? She went, yeah, we're about to start. Dang. Like, you, know, you know, you. I was like, what, what did I, where did I drive to? 1980? Wow. So That's cool. You know, you, 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 you're, it's different. It's different, different where you go. Here's Jane. Jonathan, I think the answer is... Um, that most pastors now have gone to seminary or probably a majority i guess you you would know that better than me but um i know from experience our pastor ever since he went to seminary and got his doctorate um he started changing and we mm -hmm. actually had a and have but i don't go there anymore um a canadian uh worship leader and so we became very on the fence and are heading towards uh, being very liberal. Uh, needless to say, I am not in that church anymore. Anyway, I'm drinking green tea, and I'm in Tucson, Arizona. Greetings. Uh, if you're in Tucson, you're about an hour and a half from me. So, she how, has such a good point. Yeah, let, oh, me, let me hear what you have to say about it. I was just going to say she has a, a very good point because majority of the individuals I see going into seminary now um they're like passionate excited to to go in learn how to preach the word fill with the holy ghost and then it's like they come out and they're they're like emasculated like it's it's bizarre they've they've totally lost what it is um to preach the word and like totally disconnected from what biblical truth and morality actually is like the foundational principles so i i like seminaries now I I'm very cautious of anybody um, going in, depending on where where they're at. Yeah, I'll tell you I'll tell you something interesting, Matea. Is like when my grandfather and my dad and uncles went to Bible school, Pentecostal Bible school. It was they were they were called faith schools, which was you basically just paid for your books and a registration fee. So every semester, you know, you were on the hook for like a hundred and fifty bucks, three hundred bucks, and then the school would raise the money to be able to house the students and all that. Well, then they started adopting again. Everything always goes back to money where they, you know, they realized they could raise their tuition if they allowed people to get federal uh, student loans. But when, but to be eligible for federal student loans, you have to be federally accredited in order mm -hmm. to be federally accredited you have to have a certain percentage of your professors and it's high. It's like 80 or 90% have to have masters and doctorates from federally accredited seminaries. So mm. the school my dad and grandpa went to changed to that model midway through when I was in Bible school, like uh, 1999. And what they did was all of the pastors who taught that were like seasoned, you know, 40 year, 
veteran Pentecostal pastors or whatever. They all got fired because they didn't have the proper degrees. And then, so, so, you know, you, you were being taught a pastoral care class by a 70 year old pastor that had been at the same church for 40 years. Then he got fired and re got replaced by a guy named Marshall. We'll call him Marshall. Cause that was his name who was like 31 that had a master's from one of those schools where, where they don't have full, uh, there's, there's a couple, there's like two or three, but by and large, even if you're a full gospel school, it forces you to imp import your faculty from non-full gospel places that, that don't even believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. And like you said, there's no way somebody can sit in one of those places for four years and it not affect you being taught that yeah. there is no virgin birth and the Bible isn't infallible. And, and they come back and they start taking little mocking shots at the Bible and Isaiah had three different authors and all that stuff and it messes you up. So it all, go, it all goes back to, to them having wanted the money. Well, well on that subject, what do, you think about, what do you think about the tax exemption status for churches? Because I have noticed over COVID, in Canada anyway, um, a lot of churches are scared to speak out about even what's happening, um, any, anything to do with government, because they don't want to lose their tax exemption status, which... Um, there was a previous law in Canada federally that if you did such that you could lose it. Um, under, consequently, Justin Trudeau removed that a few years back, but most pastors don't know that. Nonetheless, that tax exemption is that one of their excuses for not speaking out. So what do you think about, what do you think about that? I can't speak to Canada because in Canada, I don't think it matters. I don't think most people would speak out whether there was a financial benefit or not, but in America, I'll have, especially during the height of COVID in America, people would write that in the comments all the time. Like because, because of their 501 C three churches won't speak out, but that's nonsense because there's no way you can lose your tax exempt status by anything you, you say. Um, there's not even, there was a, there was somebody in Washington that wanted to challenge tax exemption for churches. And they actually, as they researched it and got ready to write a bill, they found out there would actually be no way to even enforce, even if they wanted to do anything, because the IRS doesn't have jurisdiction over churches because of the separation of church and state. So most pastors don't know that you don't even need a 501c3 IRS tax exemption to be tax exempt as a church. You're already tax exempt just by the fact that you're a church. All you, you can actually file church status, but the, it can't be stripped from you. You know, it's not, it hasn't been stripped from anyone. And uh, there's nothing about being a 501c3 in America that's contingent upon you not saying whatever or, or you have to do this. If you can prove that you're a church that meets at least once every six Sundays in person and whatever the other stipulations are, there's not even grounds for like uh, deciding whether you're going to get it or not. You, you, you have it. So. Wow. Oh. Huh, you, you learn know, something I, new every day. I, I have a 501c3. What more could I say or do? I, I got an attorney to sue my attorney general in my state. I didn't lose my tax exempt status. They can't, they can't take it from you. Wow. Uh, okay. Care. Good show. Well, Jonathan, I've been wrestling with this for weeks. So now I just need somebody to rebuke this fear off of me. 
because my husband and I are in our 60s and our family is all pretty much near us and to go either way would be striking out on our own. Yeah, but remember, it's not 1860, so they, they can come see you in Florida. It's a nice place to go visit someone. Load up the wagon, get the horses fed and roped, and head on out to the east. Here is uh, here's Karen again. Let's see what else she is. I wanted to ask Jonathan, where is the best place if I want to send you a letter that you would actually get it? Because I don't want to take up time on here from other people, but I would like to talk to you. If you will write it on my Instagram, I'll get it at JD Shuttlesworth. Same with Twitter. So if you want to mail it, I'm not home and I don't know when I'll be home. But if, if you send me anything on Twitter or or Instagram, obviously you're tech savvy because you're on stereo, which is a very obscure app. So if you write me on Instagram, I'll get it. And uh, same with Twitter. Twitter would be the best shot. Here is Melanie. Um, this is for the lady from Tucson, Arizona that left a message. Um, I'm not sure if she's looking for a church, but there's a new church plant and they are meeting at the Doubletree Hotel in Reed Park. Um, I think Thursday evenings, I'm not sure um, if there's other evenings, but you could call and check and they um, it's started from people out of King's Cathedral. So you should check it out. Oh, that's great. I didn't know, I didn't know they cool. started one. King's, King's Cathedral is a church in Maui. They've started 500 churches, and I think their, their goal is 1,000 now. So they're, they're going all over wow. the place. Good, good people. Final thought. I won't keep you because I know you're going to come back on with me, and I know you have uh, plenty to do anyway. So last thing you want to get you, you want to get out there before we call it a day? Well, I just want people to be encouraged. Like things are changing. Um, I was in a, in a meeting yesterday with some individuals who are working alongside uh, me at the UN and uh, things are moving there in a very positive light. Freedom is, is on the move and different, different governments. If you're in Canada, for example, various governments are pressuring our government to open up. So if you keep fighting, if you keep, uh, if you keep that faith, there is a blessing for you. So do not lose hope. Um, people are working for you. We, I love you. And I think that we're going to see a, a great reversal in multiple ways. So you just need to sta stay and fight. Keep standing. It's better, to, uh, it's better to link arms with people right now in ways that uh, will encourage you. And uh, get rid of anything negative, honestly, uh, with regards to news or, or if there's a negative voice in your life right now, it's, it's time to draw a line of separation and uh, to stand firm with those who are willing to fight with you because that's going to be needed in the future. So love you all. And I thanks, Jonathan, for, for this time. Greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. And since we're doing this podcast, which I haven't, you know, I used to just put all my stuff I record other places I would release it on podcast but since these are podcast only I'm interested to hear who listens so if if you get back to me um, by giving in any way which you can do on revivaltoday.com and click give now I'm going to send you the two books I wrote plus Kenneth Hagen's book Believer's Authority plus Lauren Cunningham from Youth with a Mission's book Making Jesus Lord for Four great books. The, the latter two changed my life. So I'm going to send those to anybody we hear from that gives and helps us with that church we're building in Pittsburgh and then the 1,200 kids a day we feed and all the rest of the stuff. 
So I'd love to hear from you. Let them know you were listening to the podcast, and we'll ship those four books out to you, revivaltoday.com, uh, and you click give now. Matea, thanks a lot. Have a great day in Washington, D.C., and I'll talk to you soon. Cool, cool. Take care. Yeah, bye. The Revival Today app is your one source for everything on team with easy access to devotionals, devotionals, and our calendar. We also give access to the gospel soul-winning script to help you fulfill the Great Commission in your own life. Check out the Revival Today app, available today from all app stores.